Welcome back to the Wrong Advice Podcast. I'm your host, John Picciuto, and I'm very excited to have my guest today, Betsy Paik, on the line with us. Betsy, how are you? Hey, how are you? Oh, I'm doing so well, thanks. Uh, why don't you introduce yourself to the listeners? Hi, everyone. <laughs> I'm Betsy Paik. Um, I am a subconscious change expert. I am a trainer of neuro-linguistic programming and hypnotherapy, um, and I, I speak about the power of possibility. Oh, I love that. So tell me a little bit about how someone gets into this type of field and like what your life brought you to this point. Yeah, you know, there's so many stories <laughs> that I could tell you. Um, you know, I think that I have been, I'm 50. I'm 50. I'm a very young looking 50. I would though. never have guessed that. Yes, good. Thank you. <laughs> um, so <laughs> that's the right answer, even if it's not true. It's true. So, <laughs> so I, you know, as I look back on my life, there are obviously some big things that have happened as when anyone gets to the age 50, you have the opportunity to get some big things that happened. But when I was in high school, um, I was 16. My mother, who was like the stay at home mom, did all brought all of my friends to the concerts. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That kind of cool mom. Um, she was in a really bad car accident and oh. died. Oh, my God. And. Um, what I noticed about myself in that time was that it made me really, you know, when you're 16, you're trying to figure out who you are anyway. Yeah. Um, and, but it made me pause and really reflect on what was real, you know, what's, hmm. what's real and what happens, right? Where do they go? How does all of that play into my reality? And so I think as I worked through all of those things over years and years and, and got new learnings and new realizations about life, um, you know, zoom all the way forward to my past 10 years um, and, you know, doing the work that I do now is really just about understanding how people think mm -hmm. so that they can think the way they want to think. So I had just gotten so good at that because I had so many things to overcome. You know, when 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 your mom dies, you know, there's a lot. It creates an avalanche of other things, right? Sure. Mm -hmm. I had so many things that I needed to decide. How do I want to think about that? Like, is the way I'm thinking about that serving me? So that's super anyway, interesting. Over do you think yeah. if your mother hadn't passed away at such a young age, you'd be doing what you're doing now? I, that's a really good question. <laughs> Not in the way that I'm doing it. Okay. Because I feel no. like, you know, you have a, a, a tragedy like that at a young age, it leaves a huge mark on you, right? Yeah, so then I would yeah. imagine like you working through that trauma through your adulthood makes you yeah. want to help other people when they go through these types of situations. Yeah. Yeah. I think I always was going to be a helper mm -hmm. of some sort. So can we dive in deep? Yes. And inside to the way out in the ocean. <laughs> so here's my thought. Let me tell you this quick. I'll make this quick. Okay. Take your time. So you're going to think it's sad, but there's a positive part to this. So my mom was actually headed to Ohio with my sister. They were going to a hockey game. So my mom was super free spirited and was like, let's go. <laughs> so like the night before they decided they were going to go. And in the morning they took off. And um, so on the way, they were in New York. My mom got off at a wrong exit and couldn't quite figure out how to get back on the highway. So they stopped like at this little convenience store and asked somebody, how do we get back on? And the guy said, oh, it's super weird. It's one of those exits that doesn't have the exit back on. So take this little road and that will take you right to the exit. So it was March and it was New York and it was cold and icy and as they traveled on that little road, my mom skidded oh. and she skidded off the road and down an embankment. And, you know, if you can imagine, like you, you hit the embankment, you start kind of picking up some speed, you know, mm -hmm. and it was this huge field, just a big, huge, empty field with one tree. Oh my God. And so my mother went right for the tree because that's what she was looking at. Right. So. I've thought about that tree so much in my life, right? Yeah. But all of a sudden, and this is when I say, you know, go way out in the ocean. All of a sudden, I was like, I was always supposed to be a helper. 
And the best way that I can help people is by knowing like pain and having thought through a lot of things and also noticing and knowing deeply how important our focus is. Because that's the work I do, right? Is redirecting people's focus. Mm -hmm. So how could I do it any better than having a story like that? This is like your focus is a matter of life or death and not just like your physical life, but your your happiness, your joy. What are you focused on? Do you hate your boss? Is that what you talk about all day? Is your husband driving you bananas? <laughs> like, is that what you're focused on, right? Because mm -hmm. that's going to be the thing that you go right to. And so I have this theory that perhaps my mother and I made a pact long before we were here that she would find an exit point that was so dramatic that I could talk about it mm. and I could teach people to live their life in a better way because of her story. Ooh. And so that's what I do. I talk about the power of possibility because there's a whole field of possibility. That's a but very, looking at, I was gonna say that's a very thing. beautiful viewpoint to like, which is an obviously tragic situation. I find that interesting. I, uh, I have a relatable, similar experience with tragedy. My grandmother passed away while me and my brother were on a plane. And I often think because we had an incredibly close relationship, she did it on purpose. Like she didn't want me there. She wanted me nowhere near it. Yeah, and for yeah. a very long time, I was like, f not mad, you know, fist in the air at the universe. Yeah. Like, why wasn't I there to see my grandmother pass away? And I was like, after a while, you know, plenty of drunk, sad nights, you start realizing yeah. that was probably meant to be that way for a reason. We have this very now well-preserved special relationship that mm -hmm. may have been different had I been there, may have yeah. been altered in some fashion that I couldn't possibly articulate because I wasn't there. And right. I think it's it's interesting that mentality came a fair amount of time later. And I wonder if that's like an amount of, you know yearly perceptive you know you learn you grow you, you get enough life experience to put things behind you and yeah. uh you know at, at 25 i couldn't figure that out but at 35 i'm like super thankful that i wasn't yeah. you know in the room yeah 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 like it was by design mm -hmm. I, I have a belief all things are working in my favor i, I believe really that believe too. that yeah me yeah. too it, it would be a terrible and tragic way to live life if you don't have that mentality mm -hmm. You'd yeah. be Matt. You'd be like I said, shaking your fist at the world on a you know daily basis. Woe is me. A lot me. of people are. <laughs> I yeah. know. A lot of people are. Yeah. What 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 do you think about that like level of tragedy? Kind of put you on the trajectory trajectory to be this kind of a helper. Like, how were you able to internalize and grow from that level of loss to now be able to impart your own wisdom on other people? Hmm. Yeah. So tell me more specifically what the question is so is the question about like how did i actually get here to this specific kind of work yeah so i guess you know you take this tragedy that happened to you at a young age and it can mm -hmm. shape people in a, in a multitude of ways you can yeah go left down the you know wrong path of what was me tragedy you know be yeah. a degenerate etc or down the right path where it is i'm taking a tragic event in my life and now turning it into a positive so give me like a little bit of like that prospect from you know 15 to 25 to 35 like how that yeah. that like kind of shaped your your life yeah you know i think that um i have struggled a lot with relationships whether it was like friendships or boyfriends or anything like that it that was always hard for me to get um close and vulnerable with somebody mm. um you know i have done so much work on myself so much work but there is a, a article I printed out just recently from the New York Times, and it's called, you can Google it because it's popular. Apparently it's been around forever. It's like 36 questions to fall in love with someone. Oh, uh, yeah. And the questions go by like, this is a simple question to talk about to harder and harder, like deeper. Mm -hmm. Where at the end, you have to be so vulnerable. I can only get through like four questions with my husband. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm like, it's, it stresses me out. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh my God, I can't talk about this. <laughs> so I still have things where there is a feeling of like, uh, I have to have control over everything so that things don't go wrong. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I have seen that in my life. Yeah. You're, no, I was going to say that's, gonna... yeah, I was going to say that's super interesting because 
I was very much that way, like 22 to 28, maybe 29, 30 is like when I started realizing, like, I don't really care what your favorite color is, right? Like, I don't, I don't really give a shit what like your favorite childhood book was, but I'm much more interested, like, do you think aliens exist? Like, do you think we're out here alone? And like now, those are the questions that I lead with. I was like, I'd rather get very deep, very quick and understand you like your mind and your soul versus like, you know, did you like? friends (laughs) right yes yes yeah you need to look up those questions because you'd like those questions because they're deep questions yes i used to write on the internet uh you know relationship advice for like elite daily thought catalog whole bunch of these places i was very much a do as i say not as i do person because i would never listen to my own advice to a tragic (laughs) degree um but i have read a number of those things and i i have read that specific article it's probably four or five years old right it's not that new no, it's old. I think okay. it's old. I think it's yeah, at least four or five years old. Yeah. Yeah. I had an ex girlfriend who uh, made me read that, and then also like our <laughs> star chart or whatever. Why we yeah, fought yeah. all the time? Nothing to do with the fact that she was cheating on me. All to do with the fact that I am a Sagittarius, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I think I see patterns show up. I mean, I've healed a lot of things, but I think over the you know the course of my life, I have seen, you know, different, different patterns that I can directly attribute to that. Mm-hmm. It also, I probably never would have been on a path of like self healing had I not had that happen, you know, and realized that the things I was doing were destructive for me or oh, made yeah. me unhappy. Yeah. Like the- I'm much happier now just being like, you think four and four is five. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. Teach their own. Yeah. It, yeah. it saves a lot exactly, of arguments yeah. in life for sure. <laughs> Yes, because um, your ca- my job is not to take care of your karma. You believe and do whatever you want. Yeah. So <laughs> explain to me like what your process is with, uh, would you call them patients, customers? I don't really know how to clients. Clients. Yeah. Okay. So like, what's yep. like your process of like getting to the helping stage? Right? Is it like opening them up to learn about themselves? Is it them addressing past tragedies? Like, what's that process like? And when you have like a good uh, session with a client and a, and or a bad session with a client, do you take those experiences with you throughout the course of your day and or are you able to kind of, you know, dust it off? Yeah, you know, I don't know that I have bad experience. I, I, I know that sounds kind of weird, but I don't know that I've ever had a bad experience. Like I truly believe that whatever experience we have in our sessions are for the best of both parties right Mm -hmm. so whatever happens whatever they're going through or whatever my internal reaction might be is is all for what's what's well right another thing i like to say is despite outward circumstances all is well Hmm. and so i kind of go at it with that but when i work with somebody it depends the capacity that i'm working with them um i really really love working in small groups Mm -hmm. It seems counterintuitive because lots of times people will come to me and they'll say like, well, I, I want to work on these specific things. But the way our unconscious mind works is that our unconscious mind doesn't know the difference between you and me. So anything that I'm thinking about you right now, that's a nice guy. I really like John. <laughs> My brain thinks that's about me. And so that's how come it's so important for us to not dwell on stuff we hate about other people because it's actually breaking us down. That's very interesting. Can you explain so, that a little bit further? Yeah, so, so, in other words, I find you to be incredibly interesting and kind. Yes. My and sub- that's because you have that in yourself and oh. it's just reflecting back. Yeah, so, and I as think you very thinking, highly of myself then. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But it's great. You're seeing something in me that's in you. Oh, okay. I get it. Right? Mm-hmm. So, and... Your unconscious mind, even if you're flipping through a magazine or whatever, and you see somebody and you're like, JLo looks good for 50, you know? Isn't then she 60? My, she's 60, right? No, she's 50. Oh, okay. I think she's at 51. Okay. okay. Yeah. She yeah. does. Yeah. <laughs> she looks great. So I, when I look at her and I think that, my unconscious mind thinks that I think I look great. That's very interesting. Now, so, conversely, if I go, that guy is such a jerk, I hate this guy I work with, I hate my boss, or blah, blah, blah. if I am dwelling on that, that's what my unconscious mind thinks about me. Hmm. 
How can you relate that to like a confidence thing? Because I've often said I am like an irrationally confident human being, you know, looks, personality, mm-hmm. et cetera. Like I, I am irrationally confident that I'm just the bee's knees. I'm, I'm the shit. Yeah. You're like, I'm a 10. I'm, I'm a, a 10. fucking 10, right. Well, I, I, I have a lot of conversations with plenty of people who don't feel that way. Like they don't see the right. best in themselves and like are mired in, you know, depressive like mentality when it comes to what they look like, what they bring to the table, et cetera. How does yeah. that relate to the unconscious mind? Oh, well, that's an identity. Oh. It's, it's an identity. So um, if you think of, if you think of a ladder and the bottom rungs of the ladder bottom two rungs, let's say, are behavior and environment. Mm-hmm. So um, it's New Year's. I'm going to work out. I'm going <laughs> to, I am going to behavior environment. I'm going to join a gym, my environment, right? I'm going to meal prep. My behavior is going to be, I mean, I'm like, good, right? <laughs> January 2nd comes. <laughs> well, what's above that is what I think I'm worthy of, basically. Mm-hmm. Then what's above that is my beliefs. What do I really think about working out? What do I really think about working out every day? What do I really think about people that make that a priority? Maybe unconsciously, I think they're stuck up or too focused on themselves or self-absorbed, right? Like whatever that is. And then above that is my identity. So everything from the top of that ladder affects everything below it. Interesting. So if I want to make a change, I want to be confident. I don't... Buying new clothes, that's great. Do it. Yeah. Right? Like, do it. I'm not saying don't do it. But the behavior and environment aren't going to... When you're not paying attention, your unconscious mind is going to click in. Mm-hmm. Right? Because that's because you can't be consciously focused all the time. So my unconscious is going to click in. It's going to go right to the top and go to my identity. And you so identify as someone who doesn't weight, think they look good. Yeah. Oh. And that's if I, super interesting. And if I don't want to... Yeah. So, so with the weight loss one, like I go all the way to identity. Who do I think I am? I don't think I'm an athlete. So then I'm like, eh, it's fine. I'm going on vacation. Should I even pack my sneakers? No, I'll just bring flip-flops. But if you were an athlete, like do you think an Olympic athlete would ever go on vacation and not want to work out? Because they would just because it's fun. That's right? very interesting. That so is it, very interesting. It affects your behavior. Can you explain to me the relationship between identity and happiness? Yes. Because I'm an irrationally happy person too. The world yeah. can be on fire around me, which it pretty much is. <laughs> so what do you, it really is. So what do you think about being happy? I think that irregardless of my life circumstances, whether I am, you know, a multimillionaire and or a poor person and or a father of five or a single gentleman of 35 as I am today, I'm happy. I'm content. And have you always been like that? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So it is like a core value that you have. You would fight for that value, that identity. You would probably fight to the death for that. So how do you... I was just sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, no. So when you have an identity that's that strong, it becomes a core value, a core piece of your identity. And that's the thing that's going to start to define everything about your life. Because now, remember, the identity is at the top of the ladder. So now when I'm not conscious, I'm going to be thinking and seeing the world through the lens of that identity. So when someone cuts me off in traffic, <laughs> I'm not like, you mother. You no, know, no, like- that's such a bad example, though, because I hate everyone when I get in a car. It's crazy. Oh, really? I turned into a completely different person. <laughs> okay, so we could release that. We could actually release that. Um, it's so funny. Line. It's that, so funny that, because that's super funny. Yeah. I, I literally I was I was on the phone with my mother today, and I started screaming at someone in the car. I was like, I don't understand why I'm so calm, and then I get behind my car wheel, yeah. and I'm like, "Fuck you!" <laughs> it's yeah, hysterical. Yeah. That's just such You're a like, funny thing that you, you said. Yeah, I know. It's so funny. My husband's the same way. Like he gets in the car and suddenly he's like a terrible road rager. Yes. I'm like, why? Why are we doing this? That's so we, funny. It was fine. We just had smoothie bowls. It's fine. <laughs> That's so funny. But I'm so glad you said that. Um, because like my, my, my core question 
to like altering one's identity from a happiness perspective is yeah. it's easy. I think for my generation, are we in the same one? I don't know anymore. Um, whether, you know, the outside, you know, uh, aspects of like social media and things like, you know, if we could measure the happiness level for 25 to 35 year old level uh, people, my, my assumption is we're drastically below like 50% of the population of like my generation being happy. Yeah. So how do you get someone who's like stuck in a, a you know, a, a, a routine that's not benefiting them and they're just like looking at everyone else's kind of life and grading themselves against that and not being happy? How do you go about altering that top rung of the ladder to like fix everything that falls below? Yeah, you find out what the identity is and what the values and beliefs are, and then you shift those so that they work for what it is their outcome is. It's super interesting. Are you happy? So this is why I, I want to loop back real quick. When I was saying how I love to work with groups, mm -hmm. that's how come I love to work with groups because Sally will say something and all of a sudden Sarah in the group will go, oh my God, I hadn't even thought of that. Like that's me, yeah. right? So we feed off of it and that, that unconscious need or desire or whatever, you know, to, to connect and see us as one. Hmm. That's wild. And I'll, I would, you know, are you happy? Like, are you a genuinely, you know, content and fulfilled human being? Who, me personally? Yeah, you personally. Yeah. Oh yeah. I feel like I am. Yeah. I feel like I'm aware of where I have sticking points. Can you elaborate? So like I have some things in my life that don't bring me joy right now. And sometimes things happen in our lives sure. where it's like out of our control or things that are happening. And we're like, this is hard. I'm going through a hard thing. And I, I have tools so that when I'm going through a hard thing, my main thing is I, I, I want to keep my vibration really high. Mm -hmm. So even though I might be going through a hard thing, my vibration is high. And that means I'm focused on not on the tree, but on the possibility of the whole field. Does that make sense when I say that? Sure. Not like me individually, but everything that's going on around me. Yeah. So like, I'm not focused on the thing that is causing me the pain. Mm -hmm. I'm focused on all the other ways that this is temporary and I'm moving through it and I have skills and I'm like focused on other things that are good in my life. And I really consciously making that effort to shift when things feel really heavy or hard. This has been a hard season for a lot of people, you know, like the last <laughs> couple of years have been like, we're going nuts. Right. Yeah. yeah I was like, how is covid been two years it's uh, right i was like it's been a year and then i'm like no 2022 no. we're going on yeah. two years <laughs> and it seems like we're getting heading back into like a great time hard times again like i'm like what's happening <laughs> yeah I, I i'm actually genuinely curious how the last two years has impacted your life from a work and like personal perspective so i've been lucky enough where in the middle of you know the very beginning of the pandemic I lost my job which turned out to be like the best thing that ever happened to me I know right. it like was either the greatest thing or the worst thing for a lot of people I think I got lucky um because yeah. I, I basically took the time after I lost my job and I like as cheesy as it sounds I found myself like I figured out what I wanted to do with mm -hmm. the rest of my life I figured out the things that brought me joy I figured out what is mostly important in life and that's your health the health of your family and your friends and like pretty much everything else kind of has fallen by the wayside. So talk to me a little about your experience personally and professionally over the last two years and kind of how that's like impacted you. Yeah, I think a I, I've got a lot more people that were interested in getting help because they have been sitting with themselves mm -hmm. and sitting with the things that have been bothering them. And in a lot of ways, they either couldn't numb it, you know, they couldn't go distract themselves somewhere because they were home or they really numbed it with drinking. Right. So <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I saw this a lot. I did it too right oh, yeah. in the beginning. And then I was like, wait, what's happening? But people are like, it's like the COVID cantina, right? Like, <laughs> like what, what are we just drinking every day at two o'clock? Like, yeah. so I think a lot of people did that. And mm -hmm. then when they were done numbing, they were like, I, 
I clearly can't sit with this. I'm going to start seeking out help. And, you know, I have a podcast Mm -hmm. and a lot of people, I think, find you know, they would search for things and then find my show and listen and, you know, just become part of my community. So I've seen it grow a lot in that way. Um, I've also seen fear lead people in directions that they may not have gone otherwise. Right. So I don't want to really invest in myself right now because I don't know what's happening, which I understand that's a valid. We live in a physical reality. Like I understand that value. I also know the power of like focusing on what you want and Mm -hmm. moving forward towards what you want. So I do believe that works against you in some ways because it's it's you know, you're basically redirecting your unconscious to show you more. Do you know how this works? The conscious and unconscious, like, should I describe that? You can, you can describe it. I I think it would be beneficial for the listeners. I've thankfully gone through a lot of therapy in the last two years. So, but please explain. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) So we have consciousness, right? Which is like you listening to me and us being here together. It's our conscious reality. Mm -hmm. And for most people, it's like three to 5% of your mind is conscious. So that's a very small amount. Sure. So the rest is all unconscious. So are my unconscious is dealing with everything that I'm doing automatically, like my breathing, like my heart beating, like all of those functions are all done with my unconscious mind. And then also all of like my little, like, like, I, do you notice I always touch my chin like that? Like that's an unconscious thing. Is that not subconscious? It's the same. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah interchangeable yeah so so unconsciously right i'm touching my face i have facial expressions i do things that's all unconscious it's probably created way back when i was you know zero to seven years old right so when we think about it in terms of bits of information like we are here and if you're listening like you're here experiencing this reality you're hearing me so you're getting information that way you're probably seeing things Maybe you're driving your car. You can maybe feel the steering wheel in your hand. So there's also a sensory thing to that, right? So you might have gum in your mouth. Maybe there's a tape. You have a lot of stuff coming in. Mm -hmm. And our brains can't process all that stuff coming in. Mm -hmm. So it has to weed it out. So like if you think about your elbow right now, were you aware of your elbow before I said that? (laughs) No. Right. Not unless you were like had a hurt elbow. (laughs) So my brain has to weed stuff out because it can't process it all. Mm -hmm. So my my conscious, that little piece can process what it's called 126 bits. It's called bits. It's how they break up the information. But my subconscious or my unconscious, that is a billion bits of information coming in. Oh, wow. So there's a lot coming in that I don't ever know. So if I'm walking around, imagine if you said to me, I have a goal and my goal is to make a million dollars. And I was like, okay, cool. It's outside, out front. Let's just walk up and down the street. And so you walked up and down the street with me, but your consciousness. So you're seeing like, um, you're like, whatever, Betsy, like I see cars like am i supposed to try to get hit and get insurance <laughs> not like what am i doing right yeah but unconscious subconscious sees everything it sees people you should talk to it sees opportunities it might see a little note in a window that you never would have noticed like it's seeing everything so when you focus on what you want your unconscious mind starts to be that friend on the sidewalk and hmm. say hey look at that oh what about that okay did you know about that Right. So I like that. That's a great explanation for it. And I think that is partially why I have been able to grow over the course of the last couple of years because mm -hmm. of an ingrained subconscious or unconscious belief that I'm going to be successful. I'm going to succeed. So I think because I believe that on an identity level, that Mm -hmm. allows me to unconsciously or consciously push myself towards the place that will ultimately get me there. Yes. I like that. Are you That's already awesome. successful? I am in my own mind. What what <laughs> may I can I may I probe yeah. a little bit? Yeah, well it depends how you uh weigh success. So there are a multitude of you know, measurements, right? Whether it's financial success, whether it is uh personal growth, whether it is 
X, Y, Z, any number of things. I've had the most successful year of my life, 2021, the least mm-hmm. successful financially. And I'm very okay yep. with that. 2020 yes. was the most financially successful year of my life and the worst year of my life. So the yeah. duality is not lost on me that you can be wildly financially successful and miserable and not wildly successful financially and be incredibly successful on everything that you're doing. Um, it's funny. Yeah. I, I often say that if a year, so my podcast, I've been doing it for about nine months now. If a year ago you would have told me that I would be shooting, you know, pretty major photography campaigns being published in the next four to five months, um, starting a podcast that's got great traction and growth and having wonderful conversations with strangers and making amazing human connections across the country, I'd have been like, get the fuck out of here. But that's where right, I am. Yeah. So that measurement of success is clear as day, right? Yeah. But yeah. you get so wrapped up into the financial aspect of success that I think you, it's a, it's a really just depends personally how you measure success. Yeah. I like to wor- use the word achievement. Mm-hmm. Because I can have a lot of achievements, but my success is just me being happy during the day. Oh, totally. So like if I just have a joyful day that I'm like, this was, a, I'm super successful. I don't know. For me, that really works because I think lots of times people talk about success. They're really talking about their accomplishments, right? Or their career, right? Because right. I, well, accomplishments in their career, yeah, right? Yeah. Right. But it's like how but money, money is a thing that people think that's success, right? For a lot of people. For a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. I think the greatest thing that ever happened to me was losing my job. I think the greatest thing that ever happened mm-hmm. to me was the ability to break the uh unconscious correlation I had between finances and and like personal happiness and or personal success. Because I so strictly tied into how much money I was making with how successful I was. And I was miserable. I was doing so many things that just didn't do anything that warranted any sort of happiness. It was like, well, you know, I'll go buy two new watches because I want to put it on Instagram and I'll get a nicer car because I want everyone to see that I've got this nice car and X, Y, Z and W and A, you know, it goes down the list. And then, you know, never once did I stop to think like, what am I doing these things for? And I think it's like the last two years has given, I would imagine, a lot of people the ability to pump the brakes and say, hey, what the fuck am I doing? Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Like, yeah. what a gift to be where you are. Totally. Um, yeah. I, I don't know if you have that much relatability, but I would love to know kind of like how you got into your career, what that process was like, how you started your practice and your podcast and kind of what that journey has been like since you've gotten to the point that you're at today. Yeah. Um, you know, right after my mom died, I got really into fitness. It was mm-hmm. a huge outlet for me. In, in college, I taught aerobics and I competed in bodybuilding competitions. Oh, wow. That's then. awesome. I know. I'm so ahead of my time. Really. Um, <laughs> You're not that so, old, Betsy. <laughs> I know. But they didn't have like, it wasn't like women, they didn't have it the way they do now. Like now they have like different division, like they didn't have much for women. But anyway, so I always had that as an outlet. So I was in sales for 20 years, had a really great, really fun career. I really loved that. And then about 12, 13 years ago, 12 years ago, maybe I decided to open a CrossFit gym. Oh, cool. And so um, I opened the gym. I was a competitive weightlifter myself. And that was really, really fun. I had it for three or four years. And in that time, I would coach people on their nutrition. Mm -hmm. And I coached a lot of athletes. And I coached athletes not just at my box, but at other gyms all over the country. And it was women mostly that were wanting to compete or were competing in Olympic style lifting. So that's what I did. It was the snatch and the clean and jerk. Cool. And um, when you do that, there's a weight class and an age category. Mm -hmm. So these athletes who knew how to eat, they knew how their body responded to stuff and they knew they had to hit a certain weight in order to compete for something they'd been training for for six, eight, 10 months, right? Mm -hmm. Still wouldn't stick to it. (laughs) Still would like, like there would be sometimes weekends or, you know, days in a row where they wouldn't do it. And I was, 
like fascinated like I, like if you guys won't do it like who the heck is ever gonna <laughs> like how does anybody do this and so I got really fascinated on the mindset that it took like why do some people become successful and other people like are wishy-washy mm-hmm. right how come some people can commit and other people are like on the fence about stuff even if they consciously really want it and so that's really what happened was i got really down the rabbit hole of like studying the mind and how it operates i sold my gym and decided i was just going to um i was just going to do just the coach just coaching and i did just nutrition coaching with the mindset component and then i kind of dropped the nutrition component of it and just did mindset. And in that time, I took a ton of training, mostly because I love learning and it was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I took a lot of training for NLP level, different companies. So I could see what each What's that, company was. language, something? Neuro-linguistic programming. Right. Yep. Yep. And so I became, I went all the way through and became a trainer. Um, because I wanted to be an expert. I just wanted to know everything there was to know. You know, I was reading every book. I was super into hypnotherapy and how that worked and how our minds worked. And I was meditating a lot at that time, like like hours a day. Um, and I was really fascinated by that. Um, and in that middle of all of that, my daughter got really sick. Oh. And she was sick for several years, really sick, like couldn't go to school, kind of sick. Jeez. And um, it was so overwhelming that I remember thinking she was the same age that I was when my mom died. And I remember thinking, like, I lost my mom when I was 16, and now I'm going to lose my daughter when she's 16. Do you know what I mean? It was like this weird thing. And I remember thinking, I'm not going to look at the tree. Like, all I'm going to do is imagine her in perfect health. She had severe, severe anxiety and depression, like the kind that gives you like hallucinations. And oh my God. It, yeah, it was unbelievable. I didn't even know that existed. Yeah. So all I would do was every day, like focus for like hours on her health and seeing her so happy and doing all the things. And you know, um, when she was a little kid, she loved, she's always been an artist, you know? You know how some people are just born good at art? Yeah. And she always was. And she wanted to go to SCAD to um, Savannah College of Art and Design. It's a mm-hmm. big design school. And they have a campus here in Atlanta. So anyway, so um, I, I just, I, I would see her going to SCAD, you know? And I knew she wasn't going to because she wasn't even going to school. Like she couldn't even go to school. The school tried to come to us. I mean, it was, it was just awful. So anyway, long story short, I just really, really was focused on what was good and what was like raising my vibration so that her vibration didn't bring me down, mm-hmm. which sounds like a really almost awful thing. It felt awful at first. How can I be happy when my daughter's struggling so much? Yeah. Anyway, it was like I got in this place of like super high vibration. I don't know how to explain it. And then people started coming into my awareness that could help and do things. And really quickly, she got placed at a a program that was like a six-week program that helped kids with like severe anxiety like that to work through stuff anyway changed her whole life she ended up getting her GED because she couldn't go back to school by that point she was like you know 17 and 18 and um she got her GED and ended up going to the college here locally in Atlanta, the, uh, Georgia State. Mm-hmm. And she and she kept still talking about going to SCAD and like SCAD's one of the best art schools in the country. I was just was like, honey, like we're going to Georgia State. It's okay. <laughs> she went to Georgia State for a year and all like focus. And she kept saying, I'm going to SCAD. I'm going to go to SCAD. And then she was there about a year and she applied to SCAD. And I remember thinking like, oh, my God, like it's just not I felt bad, you know. <laughs> Yeah. She got in. She goes to SCAD. So that is kind of the course. That's how I like got into it. That's how I got really into energy is because I needed it to survive that period of time with her. I watched her take off as a result of her being able to maintain her energy and me maintaining my energy around her. Um, she's been on my podcast and talks really openly about everything she went through. It's 
fascinating now <laughs> to look back well, now sure. that we're not in it. Well, a happy ending, yeah. Um, yeah. And so in all of that, I just learned so much, you know, like I didn't get enough learning like the first time around. <laughs> I learned so much. And so that's kind of how my journey. And so then the last incredible. three years, really, I've been really hardcore coaching and I mean, that's, podcasting. And, that's yeah. absolutely remarkable. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I don't have anything that I can relate to personally with that level of like trauma like that level of yeah. hurdles trauma is such a good word. you know yeah. it's that's like staggeringly difficult um yeah. how when you're going through that like because I, you know i can't relate i'm not a father i don't have children yeah. you know they're i look at the way that my brother looks at his kids and and i can get the understanding visually and, and like yeah. emotionally like what that's like but when your kid is struggling like that way so difficult for so long how are you able to keep a positive like mental you know vibration yeah. or how whatever you want to classify it as during yeah. something that difficult like that's you know you, years it's not just like a week or two oh, it's yeah. years yeah. How, how do you maintain that level of of positivity well i'll be honest i, I didn't okay. I, I, <laughs> I really went down the rabbit hole it was so overwhelming so traumatic and then when i got to the bottom I thought I'm helping her if I'm here because I'm like so lost that I am not helpful. And so um, I, every time I had any extra money, I would buy a session with uh, a motion code practitioner or a Reiki practitioner. And, you know, a lot of people would be like, well, you, that's not tangible. You can't see it. But I was in such a low place from being just, I mean, in shock. I mean, it, it's shocking the things that happened. Right? So like in shock and overwhelmed and nobody could really help me. You know, if you're, if your kid breaks their leg, you, you know, you yeah. bring them to the doctor and they go, Oh, their leg's broken. Let me be in. But with this, it was like a million people trying a million things and nothing was working. I mean, I was, I was like, what the, like, can nobody help? Like, what do I have to do? And so, um, I realized I have to it, it's the putting on your face mask mm -hmm. thing in the air, airplane, you know, yeah. I have to raise my vibration. And so, yeah, so that's really how I did it was I just focused on how can I see this? You know, every single situation has two sides. So like when my daughter was struggling and like, you know, trying to break her arms, that was a thing. And I would have to hold her. I would think instead of going, oh, my God, what is happening? Like, what? you right. Instead, I thought it is so awesome that I get to be here. How wow. cool that I get to be here. I get to hold my little girl. I get to hold my baby. Isn't it nice that I'm going to be the one to protect her? I can always protect her. I can be here and I can help share in this with her. She's not doing this alone. I'm doing it with. Do you see how I could go from one thought to the next thought? Mm -hmm. Because thoughts have so much momentum. Mm. You know, all you need is a mustard seed, they say. So to, I would just get mustard. like two or three. Yeah. <laughs> I was making some mustard, my friend. So <laughs> I do like mustard. So, do I. so it's a good thing because <laughs> I was having to do it. So I would just get one thought and then I would just get some momentum, momentum, you know? That's so, very interesting. So. Uh, obviously, you've been doing this for a number of years now and impacting others with you know, your, your abilities. Um, when you are personally having a bad day or a low vibratory day or whatever you want to call it, do you have like specific tricks or specific tools that you use at your disposal to kind of like let that stuff go and kind of move mm -hmm. on, like, you know, move into yeah. a better headspace? Yeah. Yeah. So I have a couple things. Recently, my beloved dog of 14 years died. Oh, and my when dog I tell just died I... too. Oh, really? It's yeah. the worst. Yeah. 10 years old. I was horrible i mean horrible when did your dog die four four mine or five months ago april. yeah yeah mine was in april so i thought i was gonna die like really couldn't work like it was i was so upset like yeah. that dog had been through a lot with me as you've heard yeah so a couple different things one is if i'm able to i take a nap hmm. there's nothing that will shift your vibration because you stop the momentum so if I feel like I have a lot of momentum going towards the unwanted, I'm like, if I could take a nap, even 20 minutes, I could get up and it refreshes my momentum. Hmm. 
The second thing that I really like to do, and I do this a lot with my clients, is I locate where the pain is, right? So mm -hmm. I miss my dog. Where's that pain? It's like in my heart. Like I can feel it right there. Like, so what color is it? Does it have a shape? Is there a weight to it? Mm -hmm. And then I imagine pulling it out and thanking it for what it was trying to do for me. And then I hold it and I let it turn into like the greatest gift that I could ever have. And my unconscious mind knows what to do, what gift that I would need. And then I bring it back into my heart. That's very cute. So the, the pain, the pain is to serve you. So the pain is, is a, it's an alert. One of the alerts is that you're focused on the wrong thing. Mm. So if it doesn't feel good, you're focused on the wrong thing. So it lets me recalibrate. And if I can feel it physically in my body, which I did a lot for grief with my dog, Miley, I felt so much grief and pain. And so I would take it out and I would say, what does this show me? What is the lesson? And the lesson is that I could love something so deeply, even though I had experienced great pain before. The gift that is. And then I could take that back in. Wow. I was looking at it, but the pain is just proof of my my love and how awesome it is that I feel so deeply. Yeah, I mean, that's a, uh, wow. That's beautiful. Yeah, I mean, there's really no other way to uh, to say that. I think you froze. Like a different. Oh, I got you. Okay. <laughs> you were frozen oh. like this for a second. Yeah. <laughs> like just a different. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, so just a different way. And so part of the thing that I always teach people is everything that you have that happens to you that you feel is bad, it has another side that's actually the gift. Hmm. You can get the gift. That's a great use the gift. Yeah, that, that's a great mentality for, for life's negatives. I uh I often do a combination of my life is incredibly short. Every day is a blessing. I need to not focus on the negative aspect of things for longer yeah. than it's like allotted, right? Like my dog dying fucked me up for a while because it was my fucking dog. Yes. Like that's, yes. you're allowed to carry that with you. But like, you, are. you know, I had uh, a recent example of uh, a project that I was working on. I'm a photographer, a project that I was working on that coupled my photography and my writing with doing a, um, like a profile on an artist. And at the last minute we, you know, we did the interview, I was putting the article together and right before we were supposed to do the photo shoot, uh, they kind of bailed and they were like, listen, my gallery doesn't want you to do this piece with me, like blah, blah. And I was like, fucking a, you know, I spent all this time, all this energy, all this effort to build this thing. I got this opportunity to work with this magazine to do this profile, of this person. I was like, shit. I was like, now what, you know, I'm supposed to submit this. And I like, Gave, like I had a one really really bad day and then I was like okay give it live it like allow it to like sit with me for that day and then the next day when I woke up I was like all right how am I going to salvage this what am I going to do basically went to the magazine and I was like hey I want to pitch this other idea you know the person that I was supposed to profile no longer is capable of being that prof you know the, the subject for mm -hmm. the prof profile they're like well, what would you have in mind pitched him on this other idea they're like we love that I submitted the, the article, I submitted the photos, and they're like, this is incredible. And now it's about me, it's not about someone else. And I think that's yeah. because I am unconsciously or subconsciously or whatever you want to call it, of the mind that I'm going to do everything I want to do. It's just a matter of the who, what, when, where, why, and how. It's going to happen. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I love that. Super resourceful, too. Yeah, well, you. you're allowed to like feel like shit for five minutes, but like you know, you life are. doesn't wait for anybody, and it's you know, it's really incumbent upon yourself to kind of get over these things, and like using someone like you who can coach them and give them practical tools to utilize is tremendous. But at the end of the day, if they don't want to get better, if they don't want to learn, if they don't want to grow, they're not going to. Right. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. So one has to be ready. I often talk about how. 
like a lot of my life was very regimented from a time perspective, right? Like you go to high school, you go to college, you're like always forecasting life out like five years and 10 years and where am I going to be here and where am I going to be there? And I wasn't very present in my life. It was like always looking towards the future. Um, You strike me as a very present human being, someone who's like very focused on the now. Um, From a career perspective or, you know, from a personal perspective, do you set like long-term goals? Like how, how do you, like what is your relationship with time and like your future? Yeah, so I really like goal setting. I have always, even before I learned all the things that I've learned, um, I've always been one that really liked Mondays and, (laughs) you know, New Year's Eve and all of the things because it holds this energy of possibility, right? Anything could happen, Mm -hmm. fresh time. So I personally really like um, setting goals, but I do them, I think in a different way than, um, probably like a regular coach. Hmm. Um, I do specific outcomes and I take all of my goals and I implant them into my unconscious mind into the future. So our, our unconscious mind is what holds the timeline of our life because time isn't, you know, it's relative. It's not real. Right. Yeah. right. Right. Everything is now. Right. So but my unconscious mind organizes it. So I actually take my goal and I put it inside the moment of when it will come. If that makes sense. So that's that's how I do it. It's funny. A couple years ago, three years ago, probably my husband and I went to Key West on vacation and um, it was fun. We had a good time and I left and didn't really think anything about it. And then that, that was like August or September of that year. And then, around Christmas time, I pulled out some goals that I had put into my timeline. And one of them was that I would have this certain amount of money in my account and that I would hear the ocean in the background. Cause I have a like outcome specification, like how do I know when it's happened? Like mm-hmm. what's everything that's happening around me? So I hear the ocean, which I live in Atlanta, so I wouldn't hear the ocean. <laughs> yeah, right. So, but I had this amount in my bank account, I would hear the ocean. And the date was like August 14th or whatever it was, was when I was in Key West. So when I saw what I was like, what was my bank account? So I like totally went back and looked at my books to see how much money I had made. And when I tell you, it was like almost to the dollar, the same amount. That's wild. So uh, we can set stuff consciously, but when our unconscious mind goes, oh, that's what I'm supposed to do. It is a faithful servant. It will just figure it out. They'll, you'll be like compelled. I don't know why I need to do that interview, but I just do because somebody was supposed to hear it and and work with you. Do, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like oh, it totally. All... Totally. Yeah. I'm, I'm often asked by a lot of my friends and family, like, why do you do X and why do you do Y and why do you do Z? And like, sometimes like I'll do photo shoots that are non-compensated. Sometimes I'll work with people that are non-compensated and I'll basically have literally anybody on my podcast. I don't give a shit who you are, what you do. I'm just super interested in knowing like who you are, what about your life makes you happy, what, you know, those kind of things. And it's hard. You were very, very picky. <laughs> but I was the top echelon of all. I mean, you're you're quickly be, just, you're quickly. I'll take anybody. I don't fucking care. You're quickly becoming <laughs> one of my favorite guests for what it's worth. Um, but yeah, but the the the, the ultimate like part that I was going towards was that like from yeah. a photography perspective, if you're not getting paid for what you're doing, like what's the point, right? Like, but like I. I think you have to make sacrifices with long-term goals in, in mind. And I do that on a conscious basis, whether when it's going to open a door, right? You have to be like mindful for when something that you're doing should be compensated appropriately and when it shouldn't. And if there's a person that I can work with or a band or something that I can use for myself and for them, I know that it's opening up a door a year from now. I know it's doing something for me down the road that I can't look at, feel, or touch today, but down the line, it's going to benefit me. And I think it's really interesting that you said that because it is subconsciously knowing that it's not going to benefit me today, but there's going to be that moment in time where it will directly benefit me. It's the fact that you know. Oh, yeah. But I know it to my core. But that I think it ultimately really boils down to this innate, irrational confidence I have in myself. And I would love to bottle it, sell it, teach it. Like, it's just something that I'm gifted 
for whatever reason? Like, is it because I'm a Sagittarius? Is it because I had a great family growing up? Is, you know, is it because I'm a little bit tall? I've got still got a full head of hair. Fuck do I know? But it's just, if, if there was something <laughs> that, that doesn't hurt, it doesn't hurt, <laughs> you know, but the truth is it's like the one thing that I have supreme belief in myself. I know I will, whatever I decide to measure success for the rest of my life, I'll do that. It doesn't have to be money yeah. in the bank. It doesn't have to be X, Y, Z, but whatever right. I decided it's going to be, it will be that because I believe in myself. Yeah. I love that. Thanks. Yeah, I like to spend the last bit of every podcast asking like a, you know, brief little Q and a, some of the questions are super easy. Some of them are a little heavy. Um, but like, you know, first thing that comes to mind, just like basically what you think. So what is your favorite book? Um, seat of the soul. Hmm. Nice. Gary Zukoff. Yeah. What's your favorite movie? Serendipity. Really? That's so interesting. Yeah. I really love it. <laughs> what's your <laughs> What's your favorite food? Um, I love pinto beans. Oh, that's so, it? I know this Just is so weird beans? that this is what's coming out, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's so I also love chips and cheese. Like I I am happy Mexican any day of the week. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, what are you most proud of? My daughter. I love that. Do you believe in an afterlife? Absolutely. I like that as well. Um, hmm. What's your biggest dream? That I will um, be, uh, I'm going to say it in this way, but then I'm going to clarify. My biggest dream is to be a speaker who affects millions of people every year. And so my first thought was I'm a famous speaker, but I don't care about being famous. I don't care if anybody knows me walking down the street, but I want them to know my lessons. Mm. Like if I could spread my message. So if anyone listening needs a speaker for an event, I'm your girl. That's awesome. <laughs> what, what inspires you? Um, what inspires me? Gosh, so many things that people inspire me. Like I love people. I think people are I think people are so good, even when what they're showing you isn't good. Mm. I think they're so good and there's so much to love and that people just need them. They need somebody to love them. Mm. That's one of the things I teach when I teach coaches how to be coaches. I had somebody ask in one of our groups the other day, they said, um, but like, what's your, what's the best technique you use? Like, what's the, and I was like, just love them. Like, just create space and love them. Like, people don't have enough people just holding space and loving them. Like the thing to do will come to you. Mm -hmm. Just I, be there and I, love, you I, know? I agree with that. I, I think that's important. Um, what's the best piece of advice someone has ever given you? Why is this one so hard? <laughs> best piece of advice. You know, one that comes to my mind is the whole idea that someone else's opinion of you isn't your business. Hmm. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. My, my, my uh, correlation to that were, uh, would be opinions are like assholes. Everybody has one. Everybody has one. Yeah. <laughs> what is your best piece of, piece of advice? Just one thing, like a tidbit. Yeah. Is that you don't have to do everything all at once. Just do what's right in front of you in the present moment. Hmm, love that. Um, lastly, what's one recommendation that you have for someone listening to you today for something that you've recently consumed? Could be a book you've read, a movie you saw, a podcast, TV show, just something that you've consumed lately that you loved. So um, I love Joseph Murphy. Okay, who's and that? And I have, what's that? Who's that? So Joseph Murphy wrote a lot of books on the subconscious mind back in the 40s and 50s. And I have his treasury. Look at how big it is. Oh, Can wow. You see? Yes. It's huge, but it's all of his books. And almost every morning I open it up and read. I've been reading his books almost every day for six, seven years. I've listened to the 69 hours on Audible. Like I just have it on in the background. It's so affirming and brings you right into alignment. So. Okay. I will definitely link that in the uh, show notes. Um, yeah. I recently watched a movie called Together Together. Um, ah, shit, I can't remember the actor's name. He's in like uh, The Hangover and played uh, the guy on The Office. 
oh my god, I'm blanking on his name. It's uh, it's on Hulu. It's just a really cute, uh, you know, sort of a rom com, sort of a life story about a guy who's single, divorced, but wants to have a child, and his relationship over a nine month period with the surrogate of the woman who's carrying his child. Yeah. And it was just really cute, and I really loved it, and I hope everybody watches yeah, it. Was good. it was super nice. Um, have but you seen the loop? The what was it? Tales from the Loop. No, I haven't. It's on Amazon Prime. Okay, I'll check it out. It's very weird. <laughs> I like weird. Good in a, yeah, it's weird in a good way. Yeah. Uh, nice. I'll, I'll definitely check that out. Um, Betsy, thank you so much for coming on today. I had so much fun talking with you. This was easily one of my top five favorite episodes I've ever had. I've had some family members on, so you can't crack the top two yet. But <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for the time today. I'm so appreciative that you uh, you came on my podcast today um, and just really, really thankful for uh, for having you on. Yeah, thank you so much for creating the space and inviting me. I really appreciate it. I think you're freaking awesome, and I love this. Oh, thank you so much, Betsy. Take care. Bye.